and welcome to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday here in the Morton studio. We're taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Man, it has been a crazy busy week and it's been really fun. It's been workshop week and a lot of times on workshop weeks, my voice is about gone by the end of the week. And Brian, of course, said, you know, I'm going to be gone on Friday, Darren. So it's all up to you. The show's all on you. I'm like, oh, great. We've just been talking nonstop for three days here. But uh, I am excited about Farmer Friday because they had so much fun. And, you know, anytime we have workshops and we get a group of farmers together, uh, it's just a good time. And I, I know, um, and maybe you're just like me, where Almost anywhere you go, you end up talking farming with somebody, and that's just what we do as farmers. We're always looking at, well, hey, what are you doing? How are you handling this situation? And have you seen these kind of challenges that we're facing? And do you have a different solution? Those kinds of things. So really fun talking at our wheat workshop on Tuesday, and then, of course, the soils clinic Wednesday and Thursday this week. So if you haven't caught one of those before, I'd strongly recommend you you check them out. The Ag PhD Insider Magazine is the way in on some of the live stream events. And uh, of course, uh, all of our workshops are free. So you can come and check out the information. It doesn't cost you anything other than your time. And I'm, I'm almost certain that when you come, you'll have questions that come up and hopefully get a dialogue started. We get so many of the agronomists that we work with that come to our workshops that say, man, I met, I met growers from Pennsylvania. I met growers from Utah. I met growers from Tennessee and uh, you stay in touch because that's what we do as farmers. We, we like following up. We like chatting with other guys. And when we find some, some people that are uh, fun to talk to and, and doing some cool things on the farm. We want to keep that relationship going. So really looking forward to some of the follow-up conversations here over the coming weeks and months. We've got a number of questions that have come in to our radio mailbag. We'll dive into some of those in just a second. Um, and again, the phone lines are open. It's Farmer Friday. It's 844-44-AG-PHD. I was on a local radio show this morning and uh, just friends with uh, the host, and he has me on from time to time. And we were just talking about what what's going on right now with some of these supply issues. I heard a comment from my brother earlier this week who... I think if you've listened to the show more than once, you've realized, you know what? Uh, Brian's pretty pretty skeptical of a lot of promises that are made out there, and he really wants to see it play out first. But Brian said, you know, that earlier this week, he goes, you know, Darren, I think some of these supply issues are going to actually work out. It's amazing how many of these ag chem manufacturers have really taken it serious, and they've been booking up every truck they could find and they've been moving stuff out at a pace that we just haven't seen before. So are they behind getting ag chemicals out in some areas and certainly some companies and certain products? Yes. But he's like, I actually am starting to have some pretty good confidence. They're going to get everything in place in time this year. So if you're talking with your local supplier, I know there's still some suppliers out there that don't have pricing or, or don't want to talk much about price yet until they get stuff in the warehouse. I totally understand that, that having it on hand is really important this year because many of those manufacturers haven't lived up to some of their promises on pricing. But um, I, I do think there's some hope. So I would stay in touch with 
with your supplier or if you've already moved on to the next supplier to, to be able to get some things on hand, that's cool too. But um, I was talking to uh, a number of farmers here this week and just asking, well, have you got supplies on hand? And normally this time of year, I hear a lot of, well, I left my money with my dealer. I'm not going to take any product till spring. But this year, what I heard was, uh, yeah, I brought product home in December. It's it's sitting in the shed and, and some guys even earlier than that. And a lot of guys already had stuff on hand. So if you don't have anything on hand, uh, I'd, I'd make sure you're pursuing those things. Uh, as far as the seed goes, just a theme from this week, just asking guys what they're thinking on seed. Sounded like a lot of enlist soybeans. Sounded like a lot of rootworm-protected corn, whether that be smart stacks or took a lot of questions on different insecticides as well. So seems like a lot of farmers are concerned about the bugs this year. And, you know, we'll see. Everybody's always wondering, well, what kind of winter are we going to have and all this? And, of course, this week on these workshop days, it was 40 degrees in South Dakota in mid-January, which if you haven't been to South Dakota before in mid-January, eh, it could be 40 degrees below zero, but it's not as often 40 degrees above zero. And it was. It was it was actually really nice and really pleasant, which was great for all the travel that, that some of the guys were doing. But when you when you see that extraordinarily warm condition, you say, man, maybe it's going to be a mild winter and we have worse bugs. It's way too early to tell that. There are so many things between now and when we would have issues with insects in our crops next season. So I, I'm not reading into that too much. But a lot of guys were talking about the bug control in corn just based off of results and what they saw last year. Uh, the other thing that I had a lot of questions on outside of the obvious topics with wheat and soils being our, our clinics. Uh, the other thing I had a lot of questions on was fungicides. And I know uh, at the wheat workshop, a lot of the guys had made comments of, you know, our neighbors that aren't raising wheat or people that we know that aren't raising wheat. Why have they been so reluctant to accept fungicide use? And just to give you a little background, if you aren't a wheat grower, uh, the wheat guys have been using fungicides for years. I, I mean, man, back 30 years ago, there were a lot of wheat guys in our area that, oh, absolutely, we got to spray a fungicide. The wheat varieties don't have great disease tolerance, and certainly things uh, like head scab have always been a concern, but stri stripe rust has been more of a concern the last 10 years or so. And guys would just tell you in wheat, man, if you don't spray a fungicide, you're definitely giving up yield. No question about it. And so a lot of those wheat guys were early adopters in corn and soybeans with fungicides and, and got right after it and they saw some good gains. So it was interesting to me that the wheat guys were noticing that too. They're like, hey, now our buddies that don't raise wheat are asking us a lot of questions about fungicide. Hey, we got this new fungicide for corn or this new fungicide for soybeans. What do you think? And and they said, it's pretty fun to be the guy saying, well, yeah, we've been using that for several years. It works great and, and be ahead of the game. Uh, all right. It's Farmer Friday. We'll dive into your questions and your calls coming up right after this. Stay tuned. This is a wake up call for you and your field's microbiome from Source by Sound Agriculture. Source is a revolutionary foliar applied biochemistry that doesn't rely on bulky nutrients or finicky biologicals to wake up your soil and unlock more nutrients per acre, all with a low use rate. It's like caffeine for microbes. Source works with the soil you've already got and the equipment you already use. So if you're a grower, go to sound.ag and learn more. And if you're a microbe, time to rise and shine. 
What do you think of when you hear Palmer amaranth or water hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of Fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Conditioning low-moisture beans to 13% can add semi-loads to your bottom line. And with our 13 for 13 year-end special, make 13% beans possible with 13% off an end-zone bin system. Use promo code 13for13 at farmshopmfg.com. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long inside-out foliar disease protection. A single at-plant application provides comparable performance in corn yield protection to that of VT to R1 foliar fungicides against diseases like gray leaf spot, northern corn leaf blight, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or zyway.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. Great to have you listening along today. Hopefully you will call in as well. We'd love to hear what's going on in your farm or what you're thinking about right now. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Start out over in Minnesota with a guy I've got a little bit of history with. Uh, I got our friend Dan on. Dan, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you, Darren? Pretty good. I was thinking about the time uh, that that you helped us out getting down to Brazil with the connections you've got and just seeing some of the things there. We had a couple of guys from Bulgaria that were here this week at our soils clinic and, and wheat workshop. And it just, it just got me thinking cause they were just asking questions, you know, do you work with anybody else internationally? And I'm like, you know, we've had a real good fortune uh, so far anyway, to, to head to a lot of different countries, Brazil being one of them. And uh, I always, always think about that, Dan, I always really appreciate the, the opportunity to get down there and use some of the connections you had too. Sure. Sure. Yep. No problem. You know, when you think about Brazil, what are what are the challenges down there? I guess compared to to here, you've made a number of trips and and know quite a few folks. Uh, are, are the guys doing well down there? What are, what are you hearing? Um, a little over the board uh, in the northern part of the Mato Grosso. They've got flooding. Uh, you get f- further down in south and uh, Paraná, Santa Catarina, and some of those states. Uh, very, very dry, and uh, uh, moving laterally over into Argentina, some of those uh, provinces in Argentina are, are also very dry as well. Okay. Yeah. The, um, uh, the Brazilians are also struggling with uh, input uh, availability and input cost. Um, um, uh, lack of supply chain uh, for, for herbicides, uh, and possibly some insecticides as well for them. You know, that was one thing that I noticed too when we went down there, Dan, just to, this has been back a few years, but 
the guys said they really had to be timely. And I know we have to be timely here with things, but with the climate that they had in, in Mato Grosso, it was, wow, if we've got a disease issue that's going to blow up, we got to stay ahead of this thing or we can lose some crop real fast. So that that concerns me a little bit if they're struggling getting inputs in place in time because uh, they, they had a pretty good rotation where we're going to be out here every three weeks protecting from disease mm-hmm. or else we're going to lose a crop. Right. Right, right. Um, uh, a lot of times uh, they'll kill the soybeans off so that they can have a uniform harvest. And uh, it's not like some of them will have to resort to atrazine uh, to do that. And we all know what what, uh, what the potential carryover with atrazine can be. Oh, so, yep. um, yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're having their challenges this year, definitely. All right, talk to us about this because I know I know you're into the crop insurance business too. Uh, what's different this year in crop insurance that that guys should know? Are you getting a lot of unusual questions this year, or or is it pretty much status quo from previous years? Pretty much status quo. There's a new um, a pilot program RMA has uh, for producers who split apply their nitrogen. And in West Central Minnesota, it doesn't apply to any of the counties that, um, you know, that Dad and I farm in or um, uh, our marketing territory and the crop insurance reach to. Uh, but there are some several counties uh, in the northern half of Iowa, uh, down by Sioux Falls and going west here. There's some counties down there um, in the southeast Minnesota uh, and then the Rochester area. Um, uh, to see if a farm, farmer, um, uh, if it's available to them, just uh, visit the RMA website, um, and there'll be information out there on it. Yeah, there are a lot of guys that are splitting apply, split apply nitrogen, and even some that this year they normally wouldn't, but due to supply issues or whatnot, they're going to have to. And uh, if you can can save some money on crop insurance, uh, why not? That sounds like a good deal. Well, yeah, actually, it's a, a a product you buy on top of your crop insurance, and it uh, it pays uh, if you're unable to get your second application applied. Okay, um, yes, I did read about that. Now, now I'm catching up to mm-hmm. speed. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it's an additional policy on top. Okay. I got you. Well, you know, and here's the thing too, this year we're pretty dry. So we're probably extra bold that, oh yeah, we'll get in there. But in reality, things can change in a hurry, a, a three or four inch rain. And, and all of a sudden things are, are completely different out in the field. Mm-hmm. Yep. Definitely. For example, we're in a pocket here that from August 1st to October 14th, we had 22 inches of rain. Oh, my goodness. Yep. Yep. So there's there's potential of some preventive planting in the pocket up here. And uh, with that amount of rain over that time period, um, uh, it, it was a tough harvest. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Well, we sure didn't get that. Our, our subsoil is just exceptionally dry. We've got some river bottom ground with a groundwater monitoring station for the U.S. Geological Service on it. And it's 9.2 feet before we hit water in that river bottom ground. So we're in a spot where we could take, I don't know that we could take 22 inches of rain, but I got a feeling we could take uh, eight or 10 and still be okay if it, if it was spaced out a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Dad. What are you, uh, 
What, what are you seeing for uh, supply issues uh, for chemicals? You know, uh, a lot of producers I visit with are not even being able to get a price on Liberty or Roundup. Yeah, and, that's that's the worst too. Liberty and Roundup are by far the worst. I know BASF as a company with it makes Liberty has has really had some challenges. Um, and, and they, they, it sure appears they got a good plan for next year to, to write the ship, but for this year, it's going to be tough for them to get everything in place. So outside of Liberty roundup and, um, a lot of the BSF stuff, uh, it, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. It's starting to improve. And I, I was making that comment as I started the show off that my brother is generally pretty skeptical about, ah, I don't know, I'll believe it when I see it. And, uh, he's actually starting to get pretty hopeful now that, you know, it, it looks like shipments are, are ahead of ahead of average pace right now. So maybe they'll catch up and, and it'll be okay by spring. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, I sure hope so. And I agree with you what you said about the high cost uh, for the guys in Brazil. And certainly it's the same thing here. Some of those products went way up in price. And uh, for for things that were tight in supply, I know we had made the comment, well, we've made it throughout the winter, that I think Liberty might be okay. They're going to ration supply out. The price has gone up so much, and the same with Roundup. But uh, it, it's, I don't know, it's kind of disappointing, especially when we rely on those products so much for these traits that we're using. And those companies know how important they are for us. Uh, it's, it's just too bad, but for the Liberty, I mean, they were sold out last year, so they really never had a shot to have any carryover inventory or to get an early jump on things. Cause everything they were making up was going right out the door and right into somebody's field. And then to have some of these, uh, supply chain issues has really caught them behind the eight ball. But, but what do you do? You just uh, mm -hmm. figure out a way to get through. Yeah. Yeah. Go to plan B and, and work the plan. Yeah, that seems like that's the way, the way farming is because most of the time for us it's, well, plan A is we're going to get timely rainfall. We're going to get an inch of rain every week and everything's going to be great. And that usually gets thrown out the window about the second week of June. <laughs> and it's, okay, it's yep. not going to rain anymore. Yep. <laughs> now what do we do? Yep, exactly. Exactly. Well, Dan, it's great talking to you. Really appreciate it. Uh, uh, good luck to you. Hopefully, hopefully you get a dry spring so uh, some of those moisture conditions uh, straighten out for you. Okay, well, appreciate the call, Brian, or uh, Darren. You bet. Thanks, Dan. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can always email us as well, radio at agphd.com. I got a bunch of soil tests, as you can imagine, with our, our soils clinic uh, this week. Got a bunch of soil tests that have been sent to us. We're going to try and get into some of those here in just a little bit. Uh, and, you know, just a number of questions around the, the workshops with uh, what are we doing, what's coming up, those kinds of things. And, yeah, we got a lot of stuff that we're excited about to talk about this spring. Robert sent in a comment. We were talking about nitrogen this week, quite a bit actually, at our our soils workshop. And he said years ago, uh, rice farmers down in his area were having to deal with residue, and so they were using 28% in the fall, even when uh, uh, they they were you know normally concerned about losing that end, but they're comfortable putting it out there because the residue. Uh, and all the microbes trying to break down the residue were tying it up. And thanks for the comment, Robert. Really appreciate that. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. 
Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. What's new from New Farm? Leopard Herbicide brings you exceptional planting flexibility for soybeans, field corn, and cotton. Leopard provides your spray plans with a fall or early spring option to boost resistance management. And did we mention it's a highly compatible tank mix partner due to its ultra-low use rate? Ask your dealer for Leopard Herbicide. Available for fall. One of the most important things you can do for your farm is improving drainage. Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. On Monday, January 31st, we're hosting a free Ag PhD tiling clinic in the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Whether you've been tiling for years or you're looking to plan your first project, you won't want to miss this event. We have a whole host of information for you, including a legal session with the country's top drainage lawyers, as well as presentations on tile design, lift stations, NRCS guidelines, and ways to approach neighbors and landlords about tiling issues. For more details and to register, go to agphd.com. While you're there, check out the other AgPhD events we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. There's a lot of great information here, and we can't wait to share it with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. This message is for all the corn and soybean growers out there who aren't made of money. If you're using a fungicide other than Zolera FX from UPL, you should know that no corn and soybean fungicide gives you a better return on investment, period. Zolera FX has two high-performance actives delivered at full rates for maximum performance and ROI in corn and soybeans. To see the data, go to ZoleraFX.com and always read and follow label directions. Introducing Kyber Soybean Herbicide from Corteva AgriScience, the newest premium Group 15 pre-emergent solution. Kyber delivers three effective modes of action for long-lasting residual activity, meaning your fields won't just be clean, they'll be Kyber clean. And what is Kyber clean? Well, it's a little like... Nice fields! See the difference at kyberherbicide.com soy. That's K-Y-B-E-R herbicide.com soy. To Ag, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday here in the Morton Studio, and our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Just for the break, I had a couple of comments that came in from Robert down in Arkansas, and I wanted to bring these up. So our next guest is from Arkansas, but Robert also said, "I'm in Eastern Arkansas. Our soil is so sandy. We're always worried about crusting." Uh, a lot of times we we were lucky enough to catch a shower just before things are going to die. Uh, so in our rice fields, we're often cranking up the wells to try to get some water out in the field, and we've got to contend with these kind of conditions each spring. Uh, thanks for the comments, Robert. I got Scott on right now from Arkansas, and I know Scott knows a little bit about this. So, Scott, are those comments accurate? Is that a big deal? Crusting could be a, a real challenge? Uh, Yeah, not so much on my soil. I think he's a little bit farther east. I'm northeast Arkansas, but, um, you know, we've actually been in a wet period for several years now. 
uh, in the spring. So crusting really on my particular, it's a, I have a really light white dirt, no sand. And we just don't normally have a crusting problem, but there's nothing normal anymore. So it might crust for the next five years. Too, you know? <laughs> yeah, as soon as you we, say that, we, it's probably going to happen. The, the last thing that we want to do on my type of soil is flush. Uh, you know, that's just usually flushing. If you flush my soil, uh, you'll wind up flushing for stand. You'll wind up flushing the second time. Now, we are more likely to flush in a herbicide to get it activated than we are for stand purposes. Okay. Well, that makes sense. All right. So you've been you know, wet. You put out, you, you put, you put out you put out something that's time sensitive, you know. You can only wait so long, you know. Sure, sure. Well, okay. So you've had some wet conditions the last couple of years here, but uh, that's got to create some challenges too. Just trying to get into some of these fields, right? Oh, you know, and uh, I mentioned this on Twitter the other day. They were talking about you know, there's a big push this regenerated ag stuff and everything, and they want you to go green and, and implement some of that. The problem. I mean, it's all weather-related where I'm at. I mean, I've been 100% no-till. I've been 0% no-till. I've been everywhere in between. But what dictates that is weather, not what I want to do. And, and uh, I literally, not last year, but year before last, I literally flipped some ground five times to get enough air in it that the dirt wouldn't stick to the press wheels and pick the drill up out of the ground, you know. I mean, we literally are working our ground dry in these little short wind. And that was just a day or two or maybe a day or two after the actual cutoff day on planting that particular crop. I mean, that's how wet we've been. Wow. Wow. That's, uh, yeah, it's no fun on the wet side. We've been, the last couple of uh last couple of years we've been on the dry side and, and we thought man it's great that we're, we're able to get out there but we got these fluffy soils that we're planting into and that can create some trouble too i know brian's always saying oh man i want to have a drought until the first of may till we get all the crop in the ground i i don't know i kind of like timely rainfall and having just the right amount of moisture but it seems like that hardly ever happens you, you know i will say i will sum it up like this you can farm in a drought you can't farm in a flood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right about that. You're right about that. So talk to us about this year with the market prices, with some of the supply chain issues, all that kind of thing. Is that going to mess up your rotation at all, or what are guys thinking in your part of Arkansas? Well, we got the rains pull back. You know, um, you know, when you start looking at what you're going to do right now, there's so much uncertainty. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're a big user of urea. And you're well aware of what's going on with urea nitrogen right now. And the other thing is, you know, you're either on one side of the fence or the other side of the fence on soybean technology. Well, on one side of the fence, and you mentioned it, Liberty, there's not any. There's not any in stock, and there's not any price on it. So, I mean, you know, all these guys have been fighting for several years on what particular technology. You're boxed in a corner right now. And, um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's it. Darren, I think it's going to be a game time decision. Uh, I I think we we will grow our rice like y'all grow corn. I mean, that's our money crop. But I think what technology we're going to go with on beans, I think you're going to make that decision a lot closer to time and availability. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know the suppliers don't like to hear that. They want everybody to make all their decisions early and know exactly what they're going to do. But I hear the same kind of things up here, and I know they just changed some of the rules on the enlist, and uh, there are some counties uh, just in our region up here that aren't going to be able to spray enlist. And that's going to be a fun discussion with the farmer that did take the chance and said, okay, I'm going to book my seed and make my decision early. And, oh, yeah, now you can't do it. So I, I hear you on the liberty, though. There's a lot of pain up here, too, for the guys that really like that in the program. And uh, it, it's it's going to be an interesting spring. Well, Scott, hey, it's great to talk to you. It's always great to talk to you. Uh, thanks for calling in. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Let's head over to Iowa. We get Larry on with us right now. Uh, Larry, how you doing? I'm doing fine, uh, Brian. Sitting here and been snowing since nine o'clock this morning. Ah, wonderful, wonderful. Okay, and I heard you're talking tillage, and I just happened to have our, our research lead, Glenn Hers, in, and uh, Glenn popped his head in the studio. He's uh, if you ever say, "Hey, somebody wants to talk equipment," Glenn's all about that. So, what do you got, Larry? What are you thinking? I want to talk to you about vertical tillage, and okay. let me tell you what I'm doing right now is I'm field cultivating the soybean ground in the fall, or going to corn next year. I'm doing it in the spring, no fall tillage here. I'm already talking too fast. And then in the spring, I run over my stalks with a light disc. I want to go vertical tillage, but my or a third of my bean ground is anhydrous. The other two-thirds gets injected dairy manure with the hose. Sometimes those guys make a mess. And people are telling me, and what, I'm, what I like is a Great Plains Turbo Max is what has caught my eye. Most people are telling me I won't like it because it won't do a leveling job in one pass. Okay. All right, Glenn, you you've, you've run a lot of different machines. What do you think about that? Have you run that particular one? Um, ne- oh, oh, sorry, I'm, sorry, Larry. I'm, never, I'm throwing I'm throwing this over at Glenn. He's in the studio yeah. with me. Okay, I've never run one. I've been around them a little bit. I have not run it in particular. Um, one of the things that I, you know, I think where where the where the you know your friends there are talking about possibly not liking the way that it will finish. Um, I would say it's one of the ones where maybe I don't like quite as much the speed that you can or that guys try to go with with vertical tillage because if you don't have it set correctly, you can get some ridging in there. Um, basically, they're taking, you know, wavy coulter be- um, blades and putting them almost on a disc frame where I like more of a wavy coulter going just straight down the field. Um, that seems to do a lot nicer leveling. It depends on what you're putting behind there as well. Um, if you've got a, you know, a harrow package with it, plus uh, your rolling baskets, you can certainly, you know, do some nice leveling that way. The other thing is if you've got, you know, you've got that little bit of angle to it, like the disc will get, you'll get a little bit more clotting. So you better have a pretty darn good package on the back end of there. Um, are you, did you say you're anhydrousing? A third, um, a third of the acres and yeah. manure on two thirds. Yes, uh, yes. A, a thir- it's fall anhydrous, and then the other two thirds are fall berry manure. But I do not work it in this until spring because it's all HEL ground. Okay. And right, and then now, you're going to plant field- corn into there, correct? Yeah, it, well, it'll get plant corn. My field cultivator 
does pretty decent with one pass, but I feel Cultivator is shot. Sure. So you, and then the other thing with that field cultivator, um, especially if it's shot, you can get shanks sliding side to side or tilting slide side to slide with poor bushings and whatnot. And maybe if you're on highly erodible ground, I'm guessing you're getting it a little bit looser than you would like it. Uh, I have got checked before, and I'm right there at the bare minimum because of that uh, dairy application. All right, Larry, we're up against a break here, but if you can hang on, we'll talk just a little bit more about tillage. We're, we're discussing uh, vertical tillage in the spring, and I think a lot of guys are in that same boat. They're going to have to do something this spring to get things ready. Uh, maybe that pertains to you as well. We'll talk about it coming up right after this. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people. And we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine because it meant I was helping dad. And dad always said, farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. It takes a team to beat resistant weeds. Experts agree using multiple herbicides with alternate modes of action increases your chances of beating resistant weeds. Tough 5EC is a selective contact herbicide for post-emergence control of broadleaf weeds, especially herbicide resistant strains. Tough 5EC is a perfect teammate, having a synergistic effect with HPVD inhibitors and enhances products in the PS2 group. Make Tough 5EC part of your winning team. Ask your local retailer about Tough 5EC or visit BelchamUSA.com. Always read and follow label instructions. You work for results. That's why the Enlist weed control system gives you flexible tank mixing, near zero volatility, a wide application window, and proven weed control. Because the Enlist system was built for your results. Get better weed control with no ifs, ands, or buts at Enlist.com. Enlist.com. What do you think of when you hear Palmer Amaranth or Water Hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like Water Hemp and Palmer Amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. 
You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. And just before the break, we're chatting with Larry from Iowa about some vertical tillage and just looking at, okay, we've got some soybean stubble. It got anhydrous on about a third of the acres. On the other two-thirds of the acres, got some dairy manure. And it, it's not perfect, and it needs to get tilled up this spring a little bit, but it's highly erodible ground. So he's looking at a Great Plains Turbo Max as a possible alternative here. And uh, the field cultivator that he's got, he said, eh, it's shot. So probably not the best option anymore. Uh, Larry, uh, Glenn, Glenn and I have been talking about it a little bit here too, and I know Glenn's been, been doing a little looking to see exactly what you got. So just to understand the machine you're looking at, that one has got, uh, a couple different gangs of coulters, and can you adjust those as well? Are they hydraulically adjustable? See, the the turbo till is non-adjustable. The turbo max is adjustable up to six degrees. Yeah, so that was. I'll be honest, Larry. That was the confusion I had right away because I thought we were talking the turbo till. So our friend Mister Google during the break, I went and looked at some images. And I'm like, oh, this is way different than I was thinking. So on something like this, this would be where I would have that, I mean, especially in your highly erodible ground, um, if you're going to use this and go through with this this uh, implement, those things are going to be as straight as they can be, you know, and I think you're going to have to let um, that rolling harrow and the packer in the back kind of do your leveling for you. And, you know, beyond that, it, it does look like a pretty nice outfit. Yeah, you know, I've also learned some lessons about I probably don't have a big enough tracker to pull what I wanted. Uh, I wanted to run a 24-footer. They're telling me 10 horsepower per foot, and I've got At what ground speed? Tractor. Yeah, that you don't want to – you want the ground speed to make the machine work right. Gotcha. Plus, you got some hills that you're right. dealing with there, too. Yep. Yeah, you we'll, we'll go around. We don't go up and you know we'll go around. Sure. We don't go up and down hills. And some of the guys around here, you know, have machines like that. They love them in the fall, and they will not use them in the spring. Right. I mean, we've we've done some of that um, where we've gone into corn stalks, and we did quite a bit this fall uh, right here at Baltic, just on some of the some of my research plots and our hybrid plots just to see what it would look like rather than on some of the bigger fields. And it did a real nice job. We're, we're, you know, as our crop yields go up, we're still always fighting a little bit residue and trying to get it to break down. We're still keeping enough cover on the, on the corn stalks out there, but it does a real nice job of starting to size things up for the, for the following year. But you still want to have that, that rolling packer on the back end of there to press that down in so that we're not losing that residue into a road ditch or whatnot either. So um, yeah. we're a big fan of them. The one I the one I see has, I'm going to call it, I don't think this is the right description, the first set of rollers looks almost like a Phoenix Herald. Correct. And then the yep. second set of roller is a basket. Yes. Rolling basket. Yep. And that's what's going to do, that's what's going to do your big leveling for you. And I, I mean, when I looked at this thing right away, um, during the break, that that's what I saw. Um, I'm worried about the, the tracks that the guys have made with the dairy manure because sometimes when they come in, the conditions aren't the best and they've got to get it done. You know, they're just, you can't wait for the perfect day. They, they've just got to do it. 
and they're they're custom guys that, that put it on and I, I have to pay for the application. The manure is free and it's done wonders for my ground. And I, I hate to give that up. In fact I won't. So are they leaving some pretty uh, good you know with the applicator that they're using are they using like a shank to apply it and whatnot so you've got some pretty deep valleys in between there that you're trying to get rid of? No, really, tractor tracks, especially if they've driven or turned around somewhere where they've already put the manure on. That that it, it would tractor tracks worse than machine tracks, and and on the ends, just about every time they they goober up the end, it's it's hard for them to turn with the machine in the ground. Sure. And uh, there was one fall when it wasn't fit at all that they come in and put it on with a quad-to-track tractor. Just they had to get it done, you know, and that wasn't good at all. Mm-hmm. Nope, I can. And uh, um, the other one to back up, I diss my stalks in the spring to knock them down. I don't have a chopping corn head. And that way in the fall, I'm not pushing stalks and roots so bad with combine and beans. My my uh, custom operator can plant in that ground because he's got a real modern, the best of the best red planter, and it's like two years old, and he can plant in that no-till stalks. But maybe it's maybe it's just a bad habit of mine that I think I got to knock them down. Especially if you've got a non-chopping corn head, um, he's probably would appreciate not even having that thing disked up. To be honest with you. Um, I, in some of the plots that I go out to, um, where I'm following, where guys are using a non-chopping head, uh, I'll start to go at an angle with the planter, and then Chris, you know, cross the rows, and I would just as soon he not touch them, because I can get through it a lot better than if it's loosened up and I've got the, you know, otherwise I'm fighting root balls, um, and some of those things as well. Um, the the longer we kind of mess with um, try, you know, the different changes that there is in some of the field conditions we see the guy that has non-chopping head for me, it's better if he just leaves it alone. I have given kicking a little thought here too, about, uh, maybe I ought to disc the bean ground, but you know, that's a no, no in the spring. If it's wet, I do have a really good disc, yep. but, uh, I don't think that's smart. Yeah, you, I mean, especially on your highly erodible ground, if we get some of these heavy spring rains that we can get in no crop to hold that cover, that could get ugly. Yeah, and then you asked about our coverage. One of the springs I got checked, and they checked the field that it had dairy manure, but it was no-till into burned-down sod, so there wasn't much residue there. And I kind of had to beg a little bit to get them to write it down as 40% residue, but they did. Yep, yep, yep. No, I know it. I know what you mean. Well, Larry, hey, it's – Go ahead. I I was going to say, hey, it's it's good talking to you. I know there's there's a lot of these decisions when it comes down to equipment and so forth, too. It's good to talk to guys that have run stuff before and and see. You know, Glenn's – that's why we kind of want to have Glenn have a comment on that, too. He's he's run a lot of different ones. He he knows a lot of stuff to, to watch out for. Well, good luck, Larry. Hopefully we helped you out a little bit. Oh, thank you for your help. You bet. Appreciate it. We got Matt on with us right now up in Minnesota. Matt, how are you doing today? Good, good. How are you guys? Pretty good, pretty good. So you got uh, got harvest all wrapped up. Are you in the area that caught all the rain too this fall? Uh, no, more 
we were we we weren't uh, weren't terribly wet. Um, we um, we actually had pretty pretty good going um, for harvest. Um, kind of got rolling a few rain delays here and there, but uh, really didn't have to go around any spots or anything like that. A lot of that uh, heavy rains were a little further north than us, um, so we kind of lucked out there. You bet. You bet. But uh, yeah. So heading into spring, any any big questions on top of your mind, or are you kind of sticking with your normal rotation? Well, I think uh, you know January, the beginning of January. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on um, for guys just figuring out plans, and um, you know uh, maybe rotations. We're pretty pretty much on a, on a rotation. Corn, soybeans, uh, very seldom deviate from that. Um, all that much um so you know uh that's not really a, a question for us but i uh one of the things that uh, you know chemical um purchasing right now is is kind of forefront um, sure. and you know checking out a few different suppliers and things like that one thing i'm kind of on the fence on this year um is uh is using like a group 15 in post um, to try to help carry us to canopy. Sure. Um, yeah. What is the, the primary past, weed? Is you know, it, it is it pigweed and water hemp? Is that the main thing? Yeah, water hemp. It's just uh, you know Flexstar. We kind of got got uh, got away from using Flexstar. Oh, I you're not alone on that. You're not alone on that. Hey, Matt, can you hang on through the break here? We're up against one right now. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We'll be right back. It came in waves, ruthlessly eliminating the toughest, hard-to-kill grassy weeds in wheat. Everest 3.0 Herbicide, a new formulation, delivers superior flush-after-flush control of wild oats and green foxtail. And Everest 3.0 is registered for use on yellow foxtail, barnyard grass, Japanese brome, and key broadleaf weeds that can invade your wheat and rob your yields. Ask your retailer about Everest 3.0. Always read and follow label directions. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. How do you make 300 bushel corn on your farm? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. On Tuesday, February 1st, we're going to answer that question at a free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll talk about water management, fertility needs, finding success in cold soils, and we'll discuss how to protect your corn crop from weeds, insects, and diseases that rob yield potential. If you want a roadmap to 300 bushel corn and beyond, don't miss the free Ag PhD Corn Agronomy Workshop. Register now at agphd.com. While you're there, check out the other Ag PhD events that we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in soybeans and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. There's a lot of great information that we can't wait to share with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. 
It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Fill once, plant all day. The Thrive 3D application system from FMC is a revolutionary in-furrow crop protection platform that plants up to 480 acres between refills. The Thrive 3D application system mounts to most major planter brands and can be yours at no cost with the FMC Freedom Pass program. To learn more, call 815-362-7747 today. Always read and follow all label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday, taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD right here in the Morton studio. Got Matt on with us right now over in Minnesota asking a really popular question this year, uh, talking about some of the chemical decisions that are going into this year and uh, talking about specifically, do we need a post-emerge residual like a group 15? And Matt, you were just mentioning you'd, you'd kind of gone away from Flexstar a little bit. Are you looking to get back into some Flexstar 2 and use something like a Warrant Ultra that also has a group 15? Or, or what were you kind of thinking? See that, I mean... It seems like uh, a lot of a lot of chemical programs are, are whatever guys have done in the past, and you get into a habit of that. And that's why we started. Uh, we kept using Warrant when we moved away from Warrant Ultra, um, because there was that added benefit of that Group 15 with the Warrant Ultra. With the Enlist program, um, we have gotten used to spraying early. Um, you know, even you know. 15th of June, um, and we don't get canopy here really, I mean, until maybe middle of July, end of July. Right. Um, so it's got to carry us a quite a while. Um, and it's, uh, you know, you're, and everybody's looking at, okay, it's, it comes down to the money, um, for warrant, you know, you're talking seven, $8, um, just for that group 15. And it's a lot of product too. I mean, 48 ounces. Sure. sure. <laughs> you know, it's not nope. a lot of fun. Nope. Um, Waiting Takes a lot of tanks. <laughs> yes, that's so. for sure. Well, and I hear your problem too, and and I guess for for our listeners today, so Matt's in in Minnesota, and uh, he's right. It, about June fifteenth, we're out there spraying too, and we know darn well in our thirty inch rows, it's not going to canopy for a while. Have you looked at narrower row spacing, and if you have, have you had disease problems, or or why have you chosen to go with a wider row? We have. Um... I've uh, I've I've drilled um, at least an 80 for about the last five years, and really it um, yield-wise, it it was kind of a toss-up. Maybe one or two years we gained two and a half. It just uh, didn't seem to justify, and and then we were we were kind of right on the on the edge of an equipment purchase um, on planner side of things. And we decided to stick with the 30s. Gotcha, um, gotcha. Because there wasn't, you know, the financial benefit of investing 
in that piece of equipment. Yeah. That's why. So basically what um, you're saying, Matt, is if we had unlimited money, sure, Darren, I could use right. your idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get you. I get you. Because we, we, we used to do some drilling of beans, too. We ended up with disease challenges, especially white mold, and that's why mm-hmm. we ended up going back out to rows. And then it got to be, uh, and well, we, we could do it all with one machine, so that's kind of nice, too. If we go out there and we broadcast a bunch of K, um, I'd, I'd drill it. Um, I have done that a couple times, and I've seen a real big uh, yield response with broadcasting that K, that potash, and in the drilled, and I didn't see any response, you know, in the rows um, or in the 30-inch, but placement. I mean, that's, yeah. it, that's just what it comes down to. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I weed pressure, um, water hemp, we, we can kill it. Um, with enlist, I just don't know how long we can hold it off. Yeah. Um, no, I, I hear you. Dry, we're we're like doing last year we had dry and, and we put it in. I don't think it did anything. Um, we didn't have a lot of weed pressure. We had a plant here and there, uh, which in beans in our area, if you got a plant here and there, you're doing pretty good. Um, with this water hemp pressure. Um, yep. and we had, we had warrant in it. Um, but it didn't rain for three weeks after we sprayed. It crushed yeah. the ball. We wouldn't just have <laughs> put it in. But um, moving forward, I'm trying to educate myself a little bit better on how much rain does it need to be activated. If we have this dry forecast, is it better to leave it in the tank? And what's the what's the what's the rescue if if we get into July anymore? Okay. And we've got to kill weeds. Yeah. All right. Let me, let me take a shot at that here. Um, all right. So for, for our program, we're doing enlist beans too. We're definitely doing our three pre's out front. We, we do a good job holding things down. Cause I think the easiest water hemp to kill is the stuff that hasn't emerged. Then I, I love what you're doing. I love that you're getting in there fairly early June 15th and, you know, trying to get after things because now you still have a little bit of time to do a rescue in case things don't work. So for the group 15s, a lot of the companies will say that they need a half inch to an inch of moisture. Uh, you need at least an inch to get it to work 100%. But but if you get a little bit less moisture than that, at least you're going to get something. And maybe you're going to get 60 or 70% out of it. So I do like that you're spraying early. I would be throwing the group 15 in if I've got a water hemp problem. Because if you do get rain, you're going to have a big flush of them coming. And if you don't get rain, I get it. It's going to be like, well, no more water hemp came anyway. It didn't matter. But mm-hmm. boy, the bar- the problem with it is it's very much like a fungicide. You have to put it out up front before you have a problem because it's not going to kill anything post-emerge. And that's kind of the warrant ultra solution is, well, we've got some Flexstar in there. If you do see some small ones coming, you can spray warrant ultra, spend a little more money than what you spend with warrant. And, and try and knock those ones that are coming also. Or you could go Anthem Flex and, and have Cadet and Zidua kind of the same story. The Warrant does get working with a little bit less moisture than what the Zidua does. So if you're in a dry climate, I think I like the Warrant just a little bit better. If I'm in a super wet environment, I like the Zidua a little better because it doesn't, it, it moves less with water. So when you got lots of water, it's going to hang on and last a little bit longer. 
So it just kind of depends. But I, I know for where we're at, we're a lot more likely to be dry. So I guess if I had to choose one, I, I think they're both good products, but I'd probably choose the warrant. And uh, and just to let you know, for our farm, yeah, we're doing the enlist. We're trying to, to kill weeds that way. And we may just throw a straight group 15 in. I don't know that I want to heat it up that much throwing the Flexstar with the enlist. So there are some trade-offs there. It, it's going to get a little hotter if you're throwing in the Flexstar. Yeah, no, that that helps a lot. I like you say if uh, if we knew. Um, <laughs> yeah, if we just had that crystal ball, weeks we're gonna look like. <laughs> it's your um, help with the marketing plan. I know to, that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, but it you know for six uh, for six dollars, and if you start throwing rebates in there. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I think it can it can get down to five bucks. Yeah, um, and and you know with today's you know, soybean is, price, yeah. eh, it doesn't have to help all that much, and and you could still get a good return. Yep, yep, and like I mean, when the battle against weeds isn't just this year. It's, yeah, uh, yeah, you're you're exactly it, right. You it, know, we it, we it, we do a it, three or four percent better job this year. It, that shows up next year too, and what what there is that goes to seed. Yep. You're right. Well, Matt, good talking to you here. Uh, good luck to you heading into to next year. I, I know at Water Hemp is no fun, and and you guys definitely have it in spades up there too. So so good luck with your program. Yep, thank you. Matt, thanks, Matt. Let's head out to Wyoming. we got Butch on with us right now. Butch, I apologize. you only got a couple of minutes to chat here, but how, how are things going for you? Uh, not too bad. Can't, can't complain too much. Just trying to get our head wrapped around the fertilizer and, you know, input costs this year. Oh, goodness, trying to make yeah. A plan. The fertilizer thing has been a challenge. Did you get anything bought before this crazy price increase? I, I would say the, the, uh, there aren't that many guys that say, oh, yeah, I got it all bought early this year because you would have had to have been really early. Yeah, no, we, we got a lot, I got a lot of chemical bought. Uh, we we kind of capitalized on good good amount of chemical, but fertilizer, no, I uh, I was I did not. <laughs> yeah well neither did we we got a lot of nitrogen we still need to deal with next spring potentially and uh so so somebody was asking my brother this week they're like so you think it's going down then because you waited to buy it? and brad's like no it was so ridiculous that we thought it yeah. really can't get worse can it, it, it that's exactly the the thought process on it here of me yeah it's it, it is what it is i guess and i guess the other day i had a thought it's like we had three dollar corn years ago, a few years ago, and the fertilizer price went up. And you know what? We still grew corn and threw fertilizer out, and we made it. And it is what it is. So yep. And there is. We've done input costs. It's there's still a little there if we can get some contracts and stuff. So I don't know. See what happens. Yeah, I I, I agree. You know, it's a great thought to end the show on here, Butch. We really appreciate having you on, and good luck heading into the spring. Hopefully that price goes down for you as well, because I know we're, we're thinking the same thing, that we could make it on uh, the dollar a unit nitrogen. We just don't want to. <laughs> we really hope, even if it dropped to 80 or 90 cents, that'd make a huge difference when you start spreading that out over a bunch of acres. Always have fun on a Farmer Friday. Thank you so much for listening to us today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.